Amen. Hope all of you children enjoyed the uh, children's sermon. I know I did. That was good stuff. Thank you, uh, Colleen, and uh, for putting that together. And uh, also thank you, Kathy Lowe, for uh, for delivering that wonderful uh, sermon to us. Uh, let's uh, uh, get into our series. We are in the book of Matthew, and we are talking about the importance of what it means to to focus on the essentials. And we were looking at uh, Jesus leading up to uh, his death, burial, and resurrection. And at that time, what are the essential things, was the big question that we were asking. What are the essential things uh, that were most important um, that we as Christ followers would need to look at, that Jesus himself taught during that time? And of course, uh, that led us to uh, our story that we have here today. So I'm going to take a quick uh, look at the passage here. We'll read it together. It'll be on your screen. And then we will jump into this uh, as a message. So let's pick it up in Matthew 22, 23 to 33. Uh, she read it. And let's read it again. The same day, Sadducees came to him. Uh, and, and those are the ones who say there is no resurrection, no resurrection. And they asked him a question saying, teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offering for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. So too the second and the third down to the seventh. After them all, the woman died. And the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. But Jesus answered them, You are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, uh, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but God of the living. And when the crowd heard it, uh, they were astonished at his teaching. And so, Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, just for your word today, for uh, your scriptures that, that come alive in our hearts. Uh, God, as, a, as, as we heard already, God, your word is true and we believe it to be so. Uh, God, may you speak to us through your word today. May we grow stronger and become enlightened. And, uh, and may we, we take your word deep into our hearts and may it spring forth with life. And may we take that life to, uh, to those of, in our community and all around us who, who don't know you. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, so our, so our, our sermon header, our topic would be uh, to know God. And what does it mean uh, to know God? If you're out there today, don't raise your hand, but you ought to ask yourself, do I know God. Do I know God? And then this passage talks about not just knowing God, but knowing uh, the power of God. And I believe uh, that all around our world today, uh, that the big question I think that people in our society, they are asking is, do we, are we people of God and do we really know God and do our lives demonstrate the power of God and how we live and how we interact from day to day in our society. That really is the question. As we consider where our country is right now with the uh, uh, health pandemic and as we look at our uh, our economic state and as we look at the tensions along the lines of uh, race relations, we realize that the only hope there is in the world today is that you and I, that the church would really be the church in this time and demonstrate our knowing of God and demonstrate the power of God in the world in which we live in. And so knowing God is not just something that means we need to gather some information and some facts about God, but we need to know God and have a relationship with God. It's a relational thing and not an informational thing. And so as we look at this story here, we see that the Sadducees, 
Uh, these guys were steeped in knowledge about God, but they didn't have relationship with God. And our lives, if all we have is a bunch of information about God, uh, then we will never demonstrate the love of God to those who don't know him. Uh, the, wor- the world around us, those who are in the world can gather information just like that uh, because of the speed of the Internet and find out just as much as you know about God from an informational standpoint. But what I believe that the world needs is people who walk demonstrating that knowing and how they love and how they live uh, and the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, that resurrection power uh, that raised Christ from the dead that's supposed to be in those of us uh, who know him and follow him. And so these guys came to trick Jesus. They they thought they had a plan uh, to, to sort of tie him down uh, to whether the resurrection was really real or not. Uh, we know from history that they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead at all, which meant ultimately that they didn't believe that Jesus was who he said he was when he said that he would be raised from the dead. And that's a critical point for those of us uh, who are believers. The core of our faith is built around the fact that Jesus came and that he died for us, but not that he stayed dead, but that he rose again. And so he rose. And then so we too, upon our deaths, will one day uh, experience the resurrection and come to new life. Uh, in that great day, in that great moment that we call the resurrection. So for the Christians during that time period, this was a critical issue. The fact that the Sadducees totally denied the resurrection, this was critical because in their hearts and minds, uh, the resurrection was all about uh, Jesus coming back and vindicating them uh, for the wrongs that were done. They were persecuted and they suffered heavily under the hands of the Roman uh, rulership of that day. And so for them, it meant everything uh, that Jesus was coming back and he was coming back and that was their hope not only to reward them, but to vindicate and to bring punishment upon those who brought destruction, shame, persecution, and suffering upon them. And so I believe in the resurrection. Uh, we say that in the Apostles' Creed. We here at our church, man, we know what it is to recite that. But I believe in the resurrection. I believe also in the power of the resurrection, not just for the sweet by and by there, but the power of the resurrection that ought to be in our lives that would cause us to live out the life of Christ in our everyday lives, the resurrection power in you and in me. It's not just about the sweet by and by, but it's about the here and the now as well. Uh, one of my professors says it's about the already and the not yet perspective. The already and the not yet. Christ already came. He already rose from the dead. And yet we too shall rise again. Those of us who find ourselves in Christ and those who are find ourselves outside of Christ. One for judgment and one for celebration and coming to, to know him in a way that we haven't before. I've done a lot of uh, funerals in my time and the hope that people have, the hope that I share over and over and over again is that we will see once again those who are loved ones who die in Christ on the other side. Now, the reality is, I don't know if we will care very much about seeing those we love uh, once we get there because we will be in the presence of Almighty God. And that's the, the ludicrous nature of this whole story that, that these Sadducees come and try to trick Jesus with because they're wondering whose wife will she be? This widow who over and over again has to marry the next brother because that's just simply what's in the law of Moses. It's a ludicrous notion that that in heaven that they'll even care about being married or being given in marriage. We won't care about marriage in heaven. We'll only care that we're gathered around the throne with brothers and sisters in Christ and our focus and our attention will be upon our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so it was a silly and a useless and a foolish argument that they had. 
But God, Jesus in the flesh, came and he, he brought all around to these very two issues. You don't know God and you don't know the power of God. And I wonder today if we ought to ask ourselves that question more and more. Do we know God and are we living in the power of God? Um, there is a, a, a quote that I, that I use uh, uh, from a professor that from way back when I was, I guess, 18 or 19 in Bible college. He said, Daryl, you're as close to God right now as you really want to be. And I remember uh, being a young student playing, God, I want to be close to you. Pour down your glory. We would gather on Sunday morning and we would, we would long and we would cry out for God's presence to be there. And he says, well, Daryl, that really is a waste because you're really as close to God as you choose to be right now. And, and, and I didn't understand that as well as I do now because God always desires to walk and to talk and to get to know us and to walk in fellowship and relationship with us. The question is, how much do we desire uh, to be with him? Uh, there are two primary ways that we get to know someone, just two primary ways. Uh, we can either read what that person wrote through letters or we can talk face to face and have a conversation with that person. Not only that we talk, but that we also listen to what that person says. And so in knowing God, it's not just about us talking, but it's also about us listening. It's not only about us reading scripture and gathering facts and information and knowledge, but it's us recognizing that he is the word, that he is the living God. And so while these guys came trying to trick Jesus, Jesus said, no, the point is you don't understand what the scriptures are about and you don't know the power of God. See, the reality is these guys miss the whole point of it all. And see, what Jesus was saying here that they miss was that they were so concerned about the resurrection, about the sweet by and by, that they didn't care nearly enough as they should have about those that are right here in the here and now. Uh, we know uh, just from history that that, that widows were, were the disenfranchised. They were the outsiders of their time period. They were those who, who were looked at and, and almost shunned to a certain degree because uh, they couldn't own property, right? Women as a whole couldn't own property hardly at all, and, and, and they, they couldn't operate businesses very well at all because uh, they were not seen as those who were equal with and validated in that culture as it was. And so this issue uh, really is about us caring for those in our community the way Jesus was trying to get those in his time to care for those who are widows and orphans. I did a little bit of research and I found that there were 80 direct references to widows in the scriptures. Can you imagine that? You can't, you can't read through the Bible from Genesis uh, to, to Revelation without coming across a reference to a widow in the Bible. Uh, because see, here's the deal. God cares about the outcasts. He cares about the disenfranchised. He cares about the outsiders, the least of these. And always, if people matter to God, then they have to matter to us. And had these guys got the point, had they really got the point, their argument wouldn't have been about what would happen in the resurrection. It would be about what they're going to do right now in the here and now. And here it is now. It's interesting as I look at that passage there that Jesus said that they don't know about the scriptures. Because the reality is for the Sadducees, they spent all of their time focusing on really the first five books of the Bible. They didn't, they didn't as, as, as you saw in the video, they didn't care about the whole of the scriptures. They only cared about what they saw that was written there, the first five books. And so they steeped themselves in, in, the, in, in, the, in the teachings of Moses, the law as presented by Moses to them. But they didn't understand who Jesus was uh, being the fulfillment of the law, the one who would come and who would bring a higher law, the law of love. How many want to live according to the higher law? The law of love. All through the New Testament, we see Jesus going about. And while people were criticizing and pointing the finger, Jesus always pointed to the higher law, the law of love. 
So they didn't understand the scriptures. The evidence, the evidence of knowing God is demonstrating God's love to those in our community, our city, and in our world. And had these guys, had they knew who God was, had they known God through the scriptures, then they would also have known the importance and the value of caring for those, the widows and those who are disenfranchised all around them in their community, in their city, and also in the world. So we recognize that they didn't know God. Uh, we all know uh, from uh, reading uh, the scripture, at least most of us would know from John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believed in him could have eternal life. But John 17.3 says this, if we really have eternal life, it's not a matter of just praying uh, some magic prayer. But no, the reality is eternal life is to know God. Jesus said in John 17, 3, this is eternal life. This is eternal life that they might know thee. This is Jesus praying now. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. This is eternal life, not information that they might know thee, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And so it's not knowing in the sense of gathering information and gathering facts. Uh, a visitor just walked in this morning and my sister just showed up here right over there. I'm going to just point her out right now. And so I can know a lot of information about my sister that showed up late this morning. But it's not just about knowing information about who she is. If she really is someone that I say I love and I care about, then I've got to know a lot more about it than just information. Wouldn't you agree? So for us who name the name of Christ, who want to tell others that we know Christ, it's not about the information. It's about the demonstration of the power of God that changes our lives and that will cause us to take the power of God in us and show the love to those who find themselves on the outside and not the inside. These guys messed up bad because they tried to trick Jesus all about the sweet by and by, all about the resurrection. And they failed to recognize that Jesus cared more about those who are right here in everyday life. And Jesus cares about the widows, the orphans, those who are disenfranchised, that you and I ought to care about them as well. Not only do we, did they deny knowing God, but guess what? They also deny knowing the power of God. Somebody say the power of God. Oh, I like this cross. Say it again, the power of God. See, we like power, don't we? Okay, I like power. So so here's the deal. They, they deny the power of God. And, and I don't think that you can know God until you come all, until you also come to grips with the power of God and not the power in our own strength, not who we say that we are because of all that we do. But no, the power of God is about the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us to love and to care for those in our world. And so they they, knew, they didn't know about the power of God at all. If they had known about the power of God, then they would have cared for and had brought to focus uh, the widow and not just whose wife she would be in the resurrection. See, they thought of her as just property. Who, whose wife is she going to be? I mean, who, who's, who's, whose wife is she going to be in the resurrection? That, that, that was their whole focus. But Jesus cared about the woman and who she was. They didn't just not know who God was, but they didn't know about the power of God. And in fact, uh, through history, we understand that not only did they deny God's power, but they denied everything related to the supernatural. They didn't, they didn't believe in miracles. They didn't believe in signs and wonders and in healing and, and in none of the supernatural. They only believed in the law. Only believed in the law. And that's a good time for me to tell you, man, that I believe in the supernatural. I don't know about you, but I believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and well today, the same as he was way back in the time when Jesus walked the earth. And my professor said that, that oftentimes we treat the Holy Spirit as, as a stepchild of the Trinity. Oh, we, we love talking about God. We talk about, but we fail to talk about the power and who the Holy Spirit was. I believe in miracles. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you the, the, the biggest miracle, the most important, the most 
fabulous supernatural miracle that we could ever have in our lives today is the, is, is the power of God working in us that would cause us to walk across the room, walk across the street, walk across the tracks and, 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 and show God's love to someone who doesn't look like us, who doesn't walk like us, who doesn't talk like us, who doesn't live like us. That is the power of God that's at work. That's the miracle I believe that the world needs to see in you and in me in our lives every day. You see, I see the miraculous whenever I go to a hospital, and I haven't really been there in a long time. I don't hope to go any time in the future. But but I, but I see the miracle happen all the time in, when it comes to, to health care. And sometimes, man, I, I pray as I did for a young man this morning, and I want to see God do the miraculous in terms of some kind of miraculous healing. But I believe that the world needs more to see the miraculous take place in our love one for another. Our love for our people in our community, the people in our cities, and the people in our worlds. That is the miracle and the supernatural that I think that the Sadducees fail to see when they fail to recognize the power of a God at work in their lives. I saw a sign the other day, uh, and I don't understand the political ramifications, so don't come after me for this, but it said, uh, I want to make, instead of, well, we always say to make America great again. This sign said, make America love again. I thought, man, I kind of like that a little bit. Now, I don't know about the again part. Because I look back in our history and I don't know if, uh, if all America loved like they should love, especially, I, I just know there were some things in our past that, that really, I don't really want to go back to, right? But I do believe that there's a, there's a place of love that I think our country needs to come to, a place of love and respect and care for one another here, and not only in our country, but abroad, that I think that if we came to that point, we would be walking and living out the demonstration of Christ. And not only in word, but in power and in the miraculous by loving people who don't always look like us. I believe in the resurrection and the power of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I believe it is alive and well in us. And that, that, that demonstration of that is in how we love and care for those who are disenfranchised, who are the outsiders, who, who don't, who don't meet up and measure up to the standards of the law. The Sadducees were all about the law. They were all, how many like rules? I love rules. It makes it real simple for me. Okay, good. I see one thumb going down. But I, I, I got, I, there's a reason why I was a law man. I love the rules. I mean, it just makes it simple. You know where the boundaries are. You know, you know the standards. And, and there was this guy in the, in the New Testament called Paul. Uh, Paul was a guy who he kept the law like nobody else kept the law. He walked the walk. He talked the talk. The Bible says that, that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, when it comes to, to going to the right schools, Paul, the apostle, he went to the right schools. When it, when it came down to, to, to meeting the standards and, and coming out with the gold certificate, uh, he was zealous, the Bible says. He obeyed the law to the letter. I mean, he kept it in the way that no one else could. But here's what he said. I count it all as garbage. Somebody say garbage. No, you didn't say it. I said garbage. Okay, you say garbage, now we can relate. See, see, Paul counted everything that, that we would count as powerful, everything that we would count in our standards as being something that would lift up and exalt, he counted as garbage, he said, except for that I might know Christ and the power of his resurrection. That I might know Christ is what he said in verse 10 of chapter 3 of Philippians, and the power of his resurrection. That, that power that would cause us to love people who are oftentimes unlovable. I believe in the resurrection and the power. We can be people of the law, right? Or we can be people of love. Jesus came to fulfill the law and to live out love and to demonstrate that for us so that we can demonstrate that to others. Now this, uh, this past week or two, I've been in contact with a, a young couple uh, serving in missions uh, over in Uganda, in Africa, in a city called Kampala. 
uh, their church planners there. And, uh, man, it, they've been there since August of 2019, just working away and committing their lives at, at serving and, uh, and, and loving uh, the marginalized for Jesus. And, man, I, I love that and have a great passion for that. And just reaching out and connecting with them. I looked at their website, and, and my daughter, Melody, who you guys have prayed for over and over again and have supported, she knows them quite well and has gone to their church and and I, I sat talking with our missions team about, man, maybe we should consider uh, supporting uh, this couple, this young couple. Her name is Ray and his name is Derek. I mean, uh, they're a great, wonderful couple. They're there. I think they're in their 30s, uh, 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 early 30s. And I mean, just passionate about serving Jesus there. She serves uh, the Somalian refugees along the lines of English and helping connect the gospel there by first meeting a felt need and then bringing the need of the gospel to their hearts. First meeting a felt need, showing that she cares about who they are and then bringing who Jesus is to their lives. And so she's doing that and, and they're working in the university there. And so, man, I, I was excited about that. And I remember sitting, uh, as I did last week with our world missions team here at Cacho Presbyterian Church. Man, I'm so proud of the work. Uh, that we do here. And I was talking about this couple and, and we talked about the fact, well, you know, Daryl, our policy really is not to support anyone that we don't know and we don't have a connection with them. And do they come from a missions agency? And I was like, well, no, they don't really have a missions agency. Well, well, what school did they go to? What's their background? I mean, do they, do they meet the standards? Do, do they measure up to the rules is what we began to talk about. And all of a sudden I realized, well, you know, I, I can't say that they really do. I mean, I, all I know is that they love God, that they, they, they believe in what it means to know God, and they, and they know God, and they're living out the power of God and loving people who are disenfranchised in our world. But they don't live up to the standards. And, and I was so proud because our mission team said, you know what, Daryl? We're not just about taking care and looking out for the insiders. But even those who don't meet the standard, who don't, who don't measure up according to the law, we believe that there's a higher law called love. And so, Daryl, what we, we purpose to do, what we choose to do is to get involved with their lives, to get to know them, and to help them in the process of being what they need to be along the lines of a missions agency. Now, I, I know personally what it's like to be uh, uh, a guy serving overseas in a third world country, uh, five years in Jamaica. Man, the first year I went, I didn't know anything about a missions agency. I didn't know what the rules were. I read about groups like Wycliffe Bible Translators, but man, there was no way that they would have accepted me in Wycliffe. I mean, I, I had a hard enough time with English. I couldn't translate English in some other language. But I had a call and a passion on my life to know God and to make him known, you see, to know God and to make him known. I knew what it meant to follow after the power of the Holy Spirit, to look to God and to make a step forward when God said to go. I look back now and I see a young lady who you guys saw here, Hope, singing along. She's sitting back there uh, singing and just worshiping God. and lifting. But I remember in Jamaica when we sat around saying, God, man, we don't know how we're going to get home for the summer. All my other buddies who were connected with missions agencies, oh, man, oh, Daryl, we've got all of our tickets covered. I mean, our agency covers that for us. And uh, we've got three months. We'll be home for the summer. Then we're coming back. I'm thinking, man, where, where are we going to stay when we get back to the States? If we can even come up with six airline tickets from Jamaica. To, I remember thinking, man, I wish we had a missions agency like that. But what I did know was there was a guy that I knew who knew me. And I knew that if I was faithful and committed to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, loving those who are unlovable, that my God would look out for me. And I don't know if Hope remembers the times when we sat around at night pleading to God, God, you're the God of the miraculous. You can make a way when there seems to be no way. And so, of course, we would, we would get back here to the States time and time again. And 
I look back now and, and my daughter, other daughter, uh, Melody, is serving uh, a missions agency over in California, helping others reach out uh, in Honduras and in, in Uganda. I wonder if the influence of having parents who just said, I don't really know all the right people. I'm not really connected and have a connection with all the right rules. I, I'm not like like the Apostle Paul, the Hebrew of Hebrews. I wasn't Daryl, the American of Americans. Uh, I, I don't have all of what it probably took to do what God had called me to do, but I knew what it meant to follow after God with my heart, and I'm, I'm grateful that my children are walking uh, in those footsteps today. And so it was awesome to see that our, our missions team said, hey, we'll walk with Derek and Ray. We, we may not have a lot of money right now in our budget, but what we do have is a lot of love and commitment. So I shot them a message this morning saying, hey, you guys, hey, man, stay in the fight. Don't give up. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord because that work is not in vain. See, I know what it's like uh, to be like the disciples who the Sadducees came to criticize. They, they came there because Jesus was not legitimized. They came with their story and trying to trick him because Jesus didn't count because he didn't go through the same school of the rabbis, the disciples. And they were outsiders. They, they were guys that were the ruffians of their society, but they knew what it meant to step up and to follow Jesus into the hard places of the world. They didn't have the right pedigree. They didn't have the right education. They didn't have the right birthright. But what they had was a passion and a belief and a heart to follow after Jesus that if we had that today, no matter what our strength is in our own power, we would lean into God and go further than we would ever go on our own strength. These guys knew what it meant to follow after God and the Sadducees didn't like it. They were upset because these guys didn't have what it took. And so my prayer, and I hope you pray with me, that Derek and Ray, her name Ray, R-A-E is how you spell it. His name is Derek Remember them in your prayers, if you would, that they would just stay the course, that they wouldn't give up. Uh, she's a young chocolate girl from New Orleans. Uh, j- just just committed to marry a guy from Uganda. You talk about commitment, marry a guy from Uganda that they met in seminary and serving passionately for the sake of the kingdom of God. I remember coming back, knocking on doors, saying, hey, you know, I'd like to come in and share. I was little, Daryl. I'd like to share my vision about what we're doing in Jamaica and how really I need your financial support and your prayer support. You know, the first thing I would get, well, hold on a second. I'm not sure we know you. Who do you know? Who are you connected with before we let you sit down and talk with our missions team? I don't know anyone on our team that really knows you right now. and, and, And you don't have really the... But God, who was faithful, is faithful and will always be faithful to those who know him, who live and walk in his power. He was faithful with me, and I know he'll be faithful with Derek and Ray as well. As I close, uh, one of my favorite scriptures that, uh, that points to not only knowing God, but the power of God. It talks about why we need the power today. It's in Acts, Acts 1, 6 through 11. I'm not going to read it all, but here's Jesus now, right? He, he, he comes. He ascends from on high, sent by the Father, comes down to earth. He lives like you and me, and then he goes to the cross. He goes and he dies for us. He pays the price that none of us will be willing to pay for, for another one of us. And he lays down his life. And then he doesn't stay in a grave. He rises again. And then he appears to those who have been following him as disciples, those who were apprenticed to him. He shows up and, and through many proofs, he, he reveals who he is. And, and then here's what they say. <laughs> yeah, here's what they say. They say, Lord, will, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And then he said to them, hey, man, it's, it's not for, for me to know. I mean, that's, that's up to, to God all those times. But here's, here's what you need to know. And then he goes on, verse 8, and I love it. He says, but you, here's what I know. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. 
There's that word power again. You won't receive the kind of power because you have all the right strength on your own. You won't receive power because you did everything right, because you, like Paul, knew what it was like to, to follow the rules and to go by. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. And then guess what he said from there? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I don't know if you caught that, but, but the disciples, because see, they're all, they're all uh, Jewish men. What they said was, when will you restore the kingdom of Israel? See, see, they were still thinking about the insiders. They thought that Jesus came because he came through one primary ethnic group, that somehow that's all he was about. But Jesus says, no, that, that's not the deal. It's, it's not about restoring just one group. When the power of the Holy Spirit comes, here's what's going to take place. It's, it's not going to be just some outflow of power where you're going around just doing all these things for things' sake. But the proof of the power is that you will be my witnesses. You will be my examples. You will be demonstrations of who I am in the world you live in. You will walk among those who are chanting Black Lives Matter. And you will see what it's really about instead of looking at what what it appears to be about. You will see people instead of seeing uh, what it's going to be like one day when they do all the things the right way. He was saying you will receive power. You will be my witnesses. You will be my examples of love in your communities and your cities in Judea, Jerusalem, and Samaria, and to the utter part, uttermost parts of the earth. And in our context, in College Hill, in Mount Healthy, North College Hill, city of Cincinnati, state of Ohio, and as our world missions team says, with our global partners throughout all of the world. That's the, the kind of influence and the power that God wants to manifest in our lives, the power to make a difference and to make a change in our world. Are you guys ready to sign up for that kind of power? Are you ready to commit your lives to that kind of power, the power to love even those who oftentimes appear unlovable? Bow your heads with me. God, we thank you for uh, today, for the opportunity to see uh, these guys come forward, these Sadducees who were just so strict at following the rules and the law, but they forgot the higher law, the law of love. God, they they were so committed to trying to figure out what was going to happen in the resurrection and and whose wife this lady would be when she died, that they forgot your your call for them to care for the widows, for the orphans, for those who were the outsiders, those who were disenfranchised, the poor, the needy, those who were sick in body and mind and spirit. But God, here we are today. We have that same opportunity to step up and to step out and to demonstrate what it means to know you, to know your power and to love others and to care for others in our city in our community, in our world. God, may we rise to the occasion. Thank you for this day and uh, for your truth that never changes. In Christ's name, amen.